Boys and girls, moms and dads, welcome to Pin to Pin, the volleyball podcast. My name is Ryan Tolman. I'm your host. To my right, as always, Danger Will Robinson. Behind our screen over there, Noah Cotterman. Screens. Screens, multiple screens. We've got episode 15 coming your way. You ready to get this show rolling? Absolutely. Let's do it. Seamless intro. It's like our third epi- third episode in four weeks that we're filming, so we're... We should technically call this season two. We're getting really good at it. Well, there was that break. I asked you if you wanted to do two seasons. You're like, no, nah, it's fine. I'm like, you know, okay, the table... table's not big enough. It, well, I'm just too big for the table. Uh, but so yeah, season one still, I guess. Have we hit the year mark yet? No, we have indeed. Okay, so this should be... Should we go season two, episode one? I would like our producer to chime in. I mean, I, I don't think so. No, I think no, we just no, keep it, it going. It's final. It's just final. big old episode run up. Eventually right. we'll get to episode 4,000. Um, I was going to well, say more like 40. Episode 40 when we're, when we're 40, old when I'm and 40. gray. When, yeah. you're 40. When, you have, when you have grandkids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that might be episode 100 by the time we get grandkids. Um, yeah. You know, hey, they're focused on other things. All right, um, so we, we got an interesting show for you today. We're really excited about just this next step in maybe the buzzword type series that we're doing right now, I guess is kind of the best way to put it. You know, Cliche. Yeah, so our, our buzzword today is role. Um, title of our show is Know Your Role. R-O-L-E. R- yeah, wrong. Just to make sure we're not talking food. Like dinner roll yeah. or rolling down a hill or whatever. Yeah. Know Your Role. Uh, we're going to talk about different players' roles, how they fit into the framework of a team, you know, kind of what, what they're um, – I guess I guess that this comes from, you know, the last handful of, of weeks that we've been coaching where we've been dealing with trying to win matches, trying to de- continue to develop kids, dealing with, you know – Because now, now the matches matter. Yeah, see, right, matter. Yeah. Nothing ever really matters, right? But no. in this case, I think there was a song written about that. Ooh. Nothing really matters. Metallica. Okay. okay. All right. So anyway, um, we're going to talk about that today. Let's get to Noah's trivia of the week show of the week. If we filmed every week, it'd be a great segment. So trivia of the show. Yeah. Trivia. We got one from last time. No. And now we have one for this one. So let's go last time. What do we got? Uh, trivia question from last time was I've been, what I've been anxiously oh. waiting this one by the way oh really oh gosh yes okay. anxiously awaiting the answer to this because I have not okay Will doesn't care but I do even though you're the trivia guy right? I I'm love little, trivia and I'm a little but upset this, you don't the, care the, the, the key word in this is beach okay so but then it's it loses, trivia you should it still is, care yeah. Will only cares about stuff he only cares about I know right that's, uh, that's he, didn't, very, he didn't come up thing. with the question so alright now what do you got buddy what year was beach volleyball introduced to the Olympics? Okay, and Will and I, Will, Will took 1996. I remember being slightly upset about that because grow I up, liked the me. answer. Um, I'm not. Gro- I'm not. It's not a grow up thing, Will. It's just you need I to didn't watch like your mouth, <laughs> Mister. Keep it clean on Noah's trivia segment. Okay, so Will and I both agreed that it was probably right around 1996, but we're probably wrong. You two are indeed correct. Oh, Let's go. Yeah, it was yeah, 1990. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. is the... Oh, this is, oh, oh we, we want that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's Good job, right. guys. Clap for nice. us. Um, I, kinda I think this is the first time you guys have gotten one right. 100% the first time. I think we could get this next one right. I think... You think you're going to get the next one right? Ooh, interesting. All right. And I think she might have played for Long Beach State. What player has the most National Player of the Year awards for women's NCAA volleyball. Don't hate me when I say this. Division one. Division Please, one. Please, listeners, don't hate me. Will, Noah, don't hate me. I could not name one female that has a National Player of the Year award. Yes, you could. You had, in fact, already named one. Will said it. I would not have pulled that out. Oh, really? No I know really? who she is. You, 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 you agreed, like, right away? I know who she is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, I, I mean, this she's is a the good first time player. I will ever give you guys a hint. There are more than one person. There's there is more. Persons. There is more than one person tied. They're tied for four, this. three. Yes. There's two of them. Is it three? There's more than one. No, no. I'm saying How they many won awards? it three times. You gonna give us that? Oh, um, no. They won only it won it twice. Oh, okay. twice. No, winning three would be really, That'd really be, hard. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. 
Because you're not winning your freshman year. Well, uh, yeah, rare. I, I do think Catherine Plummer is a great guest. Catherine Plummer is a really good volleyball player. I do know who that is. I, I think it's going to be a Stanford chick. Noah, here's the next question well, for you. Well, it's not just one. It's multiple. Why? Well, I, I do. Th- okay, one so Stanford. one of them is going to be no, a Stanford. No, chick. here's can we can we know what position or is that just giving it it's away? It's going to be an outside hitter. There's no way. Outside, it's m- outside, outside. They're all outsides. Well, so there's way more than just two. There, here's the in ne- fact. I will give you how many there are. There are five. Oh my gosh, we're wow. not going to get any. We're not going to get five. five. Right, and and. Oh, these are going across a lot of eras. For the sure. first year, hold on, let me find the yeah, first like year. I believe the first year was 89. Okay, next question, Noah. <laughs> I Has there ever been a freshman that has won the award? Maybe that's a, a no. question for the future. I don't think so. And uh, possibly is a question for the future. Yeah, I'm I, curious about that. I don't that. think Catherine won her freshman year. That was the year they won a national championship. First year they awarded that award was 1985. Okay. So you got some, got some time to, to think oh, back. 30 years here. Oh, gosh. Uh, I got, I mean, great question, Noah. For those volleyball okay. nerds out there, I'm just not oh, that. Okay. So I think one's going to be Logan Tom. The other one's going to be like Jordan Larson. Can't be Falute because you said it was outside was hitters. A, there was no, a setter. He said it was all outsides. Right? All outsides, except maybe one of them. But Faluk's not on the. Yeah. Okay. That's that's. I'll give you that one. She's Taiba Hanif Park, maybe. Um, and then there's another one. Oh, Odin. Are any of the Odin sisters on that? They are on the list of national players of the year, but they are not, not on this Odin, list. In Thor? fact, <laughs> each of their two sisters, each one won. Didn't know that. They're, they were ballers, too. Yeah. Yeah. Her next question. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, <laughs> we're, we're now moving to Tolman's Trivia Tolman's of the Week. Trivia of the Week. Show. Show. Um, I, what? Do I, Are you okay? It, should I know this? Should I know more about this? I prob- I feel like your uh, your team that when you asked them if they knew who John Wooden was, and I feel like I should, I feel like I should know this answer. Should I, or at least that's more a of these? People, I feel like more of these girls, that's that's women way. that you're talking about. Like I don't know, dude. Well, I mean, like Logan Tom was a national team. Jordan Larson. National I've heard team. of these people. Yes, yep. I know who Jordan, these people. You are. probably don't know the Odin sisters. No. Though. Yeah. They're, no. They're yeah. I my only know because it does Doug, Doug, None of them are. My knowledge does not extend beyond about 2010, probably. Okay. And that's and that's pushing it. That was. I mean. I just never. I just didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I watched, but I just did. Didn't I get learn. any I of them? No, I didn't bother to learn names. You said a name or two that's on the list. Yeah, dope. Congratulations. Three of the Dana three of Recky? the girls that are on the list. No, she were was all back she, was to she backs. The, well, you would back think so. That's back their junior, senior. That's junior. Yeah, you would think. Or senior graduate, maybe. <sighs> Uh, Maybe no, because they're not going to get red. They could I, get red. See, and here's the probably thing. not. I couldn't even tell you. I, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you who won the national player of the year for women men's basketball. And I like men's college basketball. Ooh, yeah, I don't know who won that last. Not year. Not that I don't like women's volleyball. But do you know? Do you know, know? What I mean? No, I don't watch college basketball. Okay, yeah. but like I think last year was Dana Recky, right? In the fall, it was Dana Retke. In the spring, it was Madison Lilly. Are you proud of me for? Oh yeah, because it was a it was a quickie. Are you proud yeah, of me for year. knowing that? I pulled the Dana Retke name out. You know who Madison good. Lilly is? She was a setter for Kentucky. Nice job, dude. Yeah, see, I'm I got a few. He's I'm, doing it, but that see, that's 2010 and later. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're doing great. I knew that. I knew the Kentucky one. Um, she was incredible. She, yeah, she She's was pretty fun to yeah. watch. Um, all right. Well, we'll find out next time. Lots of people on that. Is, are those going to be household names? Are there like what's the oldest one? Yeah, no, tell us the the person, but maybe the year. Probably like early nineties. You know what I mean? Like that might be interesting to know. Nineteen eighty-seven. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, well, I'm oh, that not was quick. That. So it was eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Melanie Heller. No. So it was eighty-six, eighty-seven. Is that no. what? Oh, I'm. I'm. Oh, eighty-seven, eighty-nine. Yep. There it is. They had volleyball. They had volleyball. Back. You know, I'm just going to keep giving you hints. In '89, two people co co won the award. Yeah, I guess. Co- yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. They're both on the list. Oh well. Yeah. See, I just I'm interesting. Not, I don't know that much that, from yeah. that way back in the day. That's a good one, though. 
I think we're going to get a lot of uh, comment engagement. What about someone who went into the beach? What about like a Carrie Walsh? Did she ever win an indoor? She's a, she did. She won at Stanford. She was a she, player of the she year? She was at this. I'm pretty sure she was younger than Logan Tom. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Who? Carrie Walsh? Yeah. Uh, um. All right. Just barely, I think. Yeah. Cool. Good, yeah. good question, Noah. Um, That's a good one. Any feedback, comments, anything from? I mean, we know we just barely got episode thirteen back on YouTube. Um, we don't know if there's anything in there. If you Probably have an opportunity not. to comment, nothing as of now. All um, right. As we are recording this one, though, fourteen is being uploaded, so they get a double double whammy this double week. Double whammy yeah. this week. That'll be exciting, exciting for the YouTubers. And then fifteen will come out the Thir- week of thirteen and fourteen are already out on on Spotify and Google. So if you're listening yep. to this, you probably heard those too, and you're like, okay, Tolman, don't tell me all that stuff. All right, let's get into our show. Let's do it. Uh, read that the qu- show. Yeah, read that quote for us, Will. I don't complain about playing time. My job is to play so well, the coach can't sit me. Shane Battier. Good job pronouncing his name right. Yep. NBA champion. Shane Battier, where do you play basketball? Duke. Duke. That's probably why he's so smart. NBA I, champion on the Miami Heat. Go Heat. God, you're such a homer. <laughs> had to get it in there. Sorry. Had to get it in there. Um He's an interesting guy. I think Shane Batty is an interesting guy. Was he a was he a national player of the year? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me check. Fact check. Fact check. He so that that's interesting. It's the really interesting thing probably about not. probably not, but that's a really interesting thing about college basketball, college sports in general, college football. Like think about the Tim Tebow's of the world that are just gnarly coll- collegiate players. Matt Liner. And then they get to yeah, and then they get to the pros and they kind of flame out. Shane Betty RG three. Okay, so I found the list. I'm also going to tell you because we were talking about it from last year's uh, season. Oscar, I'm going to murder his last name. Toshibwe. I don't know how to say it either. The Kentucky kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kentucky kid. He's back this year. He could win it again. He won it. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know who that guy is. Yeah. Huh. Big big dude plays yeah. for Kentucky. All right, let me look for uh, You're surprised Shane Batty. Right? Shane Batty. No, I just <laughs> all big, basketball I, players, not all, but the ones that win awards usually they're pretty big. Did Mario Chalmers win an award? Oh, dude, I don't, I don't. That's a long time ago, Kansas, mm. two thousand one. Shane player Battier? of the year, Shane Batty. Player of the year. Yeah, so that's crazy. Like, and then he and hits then the pros. Not flame. Duke had oh. three and four years with Elton Brand, Shane Batty, and Jay Williams. See, and Jay, Jay Williams, Williams short cut short because of an accident, right? Yeah. Motorcycle accident. Um, Elton Brand had a great career. Probably he's probably an all star a few times. But Shane Battier, national player of the year, on probably probably won a national championship. They did, yeah. And he gets to the pros, and not that he had a bad career by any means. He played for a long time. He played role on some player. really good teams, but he's a he was, he is and this is why this player. quote works great for us. He yeah. was a role player on on all of those teams. He was never the star, defensive guru. Played great say. defense, right? So he is going to help us lead into our our topic today about being not necessarily just being a good role player, but knowing what your role is, regardless of whether or not it's. You know, a role player where you don't play a lot or you have your niche or whatever. And, and and then also, you know, maybe you're a star player. But what is that role? We're going to define some roles for you and talk about how those roles fit into the the grand scheme of things when it comes to teams and how to how to create successful teams based on those roles. I think that the biggest headaches coaches deal with are their role players because they don't quite understand how to deal with that. Are and you saying the coach or the player? Doesn't from a know. coach perspective. And then from a player perspective, settling in, especially in volleyball, settling into this role player type of an environment can be really hard. Basketball is a little different. Like you could, unless, you, unless you're playing zero minutes in basketball, you can be a role player, play 10, 15 minutes, still feel really like involved. You did something. Like you did something. You know, like you contributed to the win of the, you know, the, the success of the team. Volleyball is a little different, right? Like, you know, like I suppose, because we don't substitute a lot for rest. You know what I mean? No, you play. Right. Yeah, so your horses are out there you, the whole match. You should throw your seven yep. best players out and you, you don't need to go past that. You can't that. do that in basketball. Basketball. Well, if you do, your name is, uh, what's his name? Tim. 
Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau. Does he just gas absolutely destroyed Derek Rose's career? Mike it, D'Antoni used to do that yeah. too. You know, they just like, they would play like forty six yeah. minutes a night. Right, <laughs> crazy. So anyway, like so, you look at this uh, the, the the role in volleyball. I think it's very difficult for people to understand. So we'll, we'll go through some of it and see if we can lend some insight. Um, so what? Let's just start with defining what these roles are. What what roles exist? Within the framework of a volleyball team, well, you, you named you said seven. Sure, so there's right. seven positions. Essentially. But sometimes you can do nine because of a six on two what lineup you're running. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be two outsides. There's always going to be two middles. Right. There might be two setters. But most yeah, there might be two setters, and then there might be two opposites. If you're running the six and then you two, got the libero. the libero. Yep. So that's nine. So those are positions, though. Is that yep. I don't know that is that a okay? So let's let's start there then. You have your starters. Yep. And they're the positions we just named. Everybody within that group also has a role. And we kind of we got into a good conversation before this started. Off the air. Off air. <laughs> before we decided to record. And uh, so we, we kind of defined job versus role. So your job on the team is that you're a player, you're an outside hitter, right? I think that's your job. And then what is your role within that? So let's talk about the outsides. Let's go like an OH1 terminology. We probably need to define it. Outside Kill hitter, number a one, lot. right? Your first outside. And we've, we've already done a show on this, right? Like what, what makes up an outside hitter? What is your job? What are your job descriptions, duties? We've already done that. So outside hitter one, get a kill. Is that your star player? Yeah. Depends. Depends on what's yeah, going yeah. on. I would say most of the time it is. Internationally, it's actually started to change. People have started to flip their OH1 and OH2. Actually, not necessarily. They just put the best big hitter in the two. Right. Like I'm pretty sure Team USA did that this last year at the VNL. They put TJ DeFalco in the two because he's a much better big hitter. than Spreads your offense yeah. around a little bit. Um, you know, so uh, OH2, you're a second outside hitter, good ball control passer, whatever. doesn't make a lot of errors. You know, M1's probably your best attacker, M2, best blocker. I mean, you can make arguments for either one, right? I mean, we don't want to get into the d- details of that. We already had a show about that. But um, everybody within that's going to have a role to play, right? Like the middles, everybody everybody wants to hit, right? Um, even the liberos want to get, set the ball. But that's not their necessarily their role. Your role is to... Like outside hitter two, for example, that's probably the best, I think the best way to explain this. Outside hitter two, you're a good passer. You don't get a set as much as the outside hitter one. That goes a lot of the balls. Those balls go to the right side. They go to the middle. Maybe they go to the back row. You know, you get a lot of outlet balls. You're not necessarily a huge component to the offense. That's a typical role within that framework of an outside hitter two. Not all outside hitter twos are built that way. Yeah. But that's pretty common, right? That's kind of what you're hoping for, right? Like in the instance of the Laney Wagner, Brooke Nunaviller. Sure. Brooke those those teams. Yeah. Brooke yeah. was was more ball control and Laney yep. was going to go thump it. And um so yeah, so we have um you know definite roles when it comes to those positions. But then it extends beyond that a little bit. And this is where we want to go. That's going to be the intangibles, like what you bring, like the glue guy. Right. Right. There's always the glue guy. There's always the hype man. There's always right. this person. The that, leader, yes. your captain, your, yes. right. Your, yeah. So you're your stoic person. Like, but are those roles necessarily or are those personalities? Personalities. But I think they did, they, they evolve into roles, right? I think, yeah. I think naturally some of these roles happen on their own, right? A guy will be like, oh yeah, I'm the hype guy. You know, I get everybody pumped up, right? You know, I'm the, I'm the, the de facto leader, whether coaches name me captain or not, and I can be vocal about it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put my head down and work hard player that, you know, everybody can just follow by example, that kind of thing. And then it goes even beyond that one more layer, right? Where we get into this bench player substitute role yeah the b side that is so challenging to navigate as a player as a parent and as a coach yes and so i think that's kind of where we want to we want to head with that um let's talk then about your oh3 right your third outside hitter on the team what how, how are you going to define that role for that kid what i've done is they're usually a serving spec or if the o2 or o1 needs rest 
Hopefully I can just move my O2 to the O1, O1 rests. But if the gap is too big, then they're just going to be like a serving spec. Okay. So, but that sucks. It does suck. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, in the world of sports, like it's harsh, but you got to get better. You know, if you roll want if you want your role to be bigger, you have to get better than the people in front of you. And then you also have to realize just because you're not on the court, you can give to the team. Right. And that that's what's really hard to tell a kid in high school. Okay, you have a a, a really important role on this team, but it's going to be on the bench. Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it, it does. The biggest problem that I would have with those OH3s, those op twos, like the guys that are coming off the bench, biggest problem I have as a coach is when they're not ready. Well, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's like, holy moly, guy. That's like, kind of what we want to talk about here. Like you got to be ready. Up. Yeah. You know? like, and I think the best way to but stay that's helping, ready. That's helping them to understand what their role actually is. Yeah. And, and I think too often... We just assume these kids figure it out. Oh, he knows. No, you got to have a black and white conversation. I, yeah. Whether or not you want to do it or they want to hear it, I still think it's uh, transparent. Sometimes we don't, though. No, Sometimes the conversation, we, conversations are really important to have yeah. because you have to help these these kids understand what that role is. And honestly, I think, I think too often we don't. As coach, and again, I say we, right? Because I'm thinking about myself. I don't know that I, I have even great conversations with the starters about what their role is. You know, like we just. That's they, the classic, you take them for granted yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's a starter and he's yeah. fine because he's playing, but yep. he might not necessarily always be that way. I remember I had a conversation with an undisclosed player recently, middle blocker. I'll just throw that out there. Um, and this player, I won't even say a he or a she, so you won't, so you, you won't know and neither will they. Um, this player is a very good blocker, works very hard as a middle is up, up and ready to hit, um, a tempo ball from their setter, pull in the middle on their side. This player is, um, from my view is a pretty good teammate. And this player can't, I keep saying this player cause I don't want to say she or he. This player came off the court after a match was over, a big match that we won, and was visibly upset, right? Like, you could tell that this player just wasn't really as, as, as happy as they should have been because of the win. And I said, what's the deal? Like, we just won. And the player also understood, like, yeah, we won, and I, sh- I should be happy, but a little hesitant to give me the answer. Finally, the answer was, well, I, I want, I want to contribute more. I said, well, and I listed those things. You're a good blocker. You're pulling the middle, you're hustling, you're a good teammate. You cheer for your teammates, right? You know, middle. So sometimes this player got a chance to serve. When you serve, you do a good job. Like I listed all these things. Well, yeah, but I'm not getting set the ball. Yeah. I'm like, well, sometimes that's not necessarily your role to get set the ball middles are blue collar. And if you're not okay with that, probably shouldn't be that position. And I don't know that we have enough conversations with those types of kids too. Like you're out there and you may, you may get in a three set match two two sets, best of three, whatever, best five, you know, you might get set two or three balls a set. Yep. But yet you still have a very high function within the team because of you're, you're also doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So, and it matures them too. When you have those conversations it should, and sometimes it doesn't mature them right away. Right. But it matures them in a day, a week, a month, because they remember that conversation. It's tough though, because they have to buy into what you're saying. And sometimes they're right. like, no, I should get set more. <laughs> well, why do you need to get set more when we're winning? Number one. Yeah. And number two, hopefully we have some stats to say. Sure. Well, we this, this player's stats were great. Yeah. Hitting a high percentage, just not a high volume. Um, but then there's also that other layer that I, I, I wish somehow I could figure out how to help kids understand what their behavior looks like to their teammates. Because there are, are players coming across. There are players yeah. who are not playing. At all. At all. Who would love to be out there blocking, pulling a middle, 
communicating with their teammates, sweating, trying to help the team win, whether they ever hit or not, at least they're on the court. So like the different layers of your contribution to the team really matter when you're trying to create this culture of belonging, this culture of winning, this culture of what you're trying to accomplish. And I don't know that we as coaches, me as, as a coach, have enough of these types of conversations uh, with kids who, you know, need them. And it totally brings you closer to your athlete. Yeah. Mo- I would say most of the time. Most of the time. I think maybe 5% it backfires and you lose them. But then I think they can maybe come back later. But right. I think most of the time it's it only helps the team. The problem, though, is we're not proactive with those conversations. Most of the time, most of the time we're having these conversations at the qualifier or right. at, at, at a state tournaments. There's no such thing as a qualifier yeah. in men's volleyball anymore. Well, right. It's, it is definitely helpful for kids to hear it frequently, to hear it, you know, enough that, um, they know it without questioning it, right? Like this is just kind of what I'm going to do. Yeah. This reminds me of, and if you go back and you really want to listen to a good episode, not all of, all of our episodes are great. I know. But if you want to go back and listen to a great episode, I believe it was episode six with Chris and Evan. And episode six was, uh, when Evan was talking about when he was sitting on the sideline, watching these kids play, you know, riddled with cancer and chemo and no hair and couldn't move. And, you know, and he's watching these boys play and they're not giving effort. They're not, you know, they don't, they're not, they're taking it for granted mm-hmm. what they have, have already accomplished or are able to do. And so your role players see that, you know, those kids on the bench see that, well, this kid isn't playing hard. Parents see it, right? Because you know that they're watching, you know, that they're watching their kid play. Um, we're getting phone call and it was annoying me. Yeah. Right, this is right in the middle of the show. Um, you know those parents are watching the kid play that's in front of the other kid. You know what I mean? That's the crazy part. Like, my son's not playing, but that kid is, and that kid's attitude stinks. That kid isn't playing hard, right? And they nitpick those little things. Yeah. So I think it's important for our all of our players to know where they fit in the grand scheme of things and and then be able to communicate that to mom and dad. And then the next question is, are roles permanent? No, absolutely. No. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. I but think sometimes they can be. I think oftentimes then in, within a team they are. Yeah. You know, um, but I, and I guess that leads us to our next question. Should every player on your team play all the time? I, I we, we talked about this before. I, th- I think that's going to depend on what kind of team you're coaching. Is it a varsity team, a JV team, a freshman team? Like, is it a ones team, a twos team, a threes team? I mean, if it's a college team, absolutely not. Sorry. You have well, to perform. Yeah. yeah. You get to a college you know? level. Coach's job's like, on the line. But a, but a ones kid, I think you got to make sure you're at least giving them experience, but they do need to understand the performing side of things at the ones level, you know? Because sure. if you don't perform at the ones level, it's going to be very hard to keep you on the court. Yeah. Unless the person behind you is that big of a drop-off. That's a big asterisk. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or but you're trying to send a message. There's lots of playing time can be used in a lot of different ways. I, yeah. guess, the, I guess the impetus to this question is like, you know, no matter the team, no matter the situation, should everybody get a chance to perform on the court? And my answer is no, but I, you know, age matters. You know, these younger guys, they, they need to be, um, on the court as much as possible. Um, you know, these, they need to develop and, and you look at history, it'll show you that not necessarily all of these kids, you know, um, are going to develop at the same rate. They're not, they might grow more. They might grow less. Like there's a lot involved yeah. in that. So, you know, even my own story, right? I mean, I, I never played when I was a, an eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade. I got cut as a sophomore, like, but the, my development was later on. I needed opportunities to continue yeah. to develop. Cause you didn't know what because I was going to be. You also need to give them a chance to start to love the sport because you don't want to be the reason a kid stops playing. And that is what's in the back of my mind when it comes to a bench player. 
Like I need them to love this sport, but I also need them to understand, hey, sometimes people are just better than you. Like, and that's really hard. <laughs> All right. Well, but how do you keep those kids engaged? Because yeah, you, that's where you got to give them a role. At some point you need to, you need those boys to play. And that's why you or throw girls, them a bone. Right? Sorry. I just yeah. keep, because we're in the middle of boy, you know, kind yeah. of the end of our boys season, but you need these kids to be, to be engaged. Your 10, 11, yep. 12 player needs to be engaged because you might need them at some point, yeah. whether or not you're going to win a match with them in the game. You still need them, and yeah. you need them in practice. Yep. And and I say that to my my players a lot. Like, listen, you are huge for us in practice. You are making us better because of the competition that you are bringing to our practice court. And I'm sure that like this doesn't matter. Hey, I don't want to interrupt here, um, but the the audience is going to get a little sneak preview of your directorness. Andrea Mashir needs you to open up Aspire. His open path isn't working. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think that's why he was calling you. That's super funny. So, all right. please, please stand by. Well, I wonder if the, uh, please stand by. I wonder if the door Got has been locked, 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 like with a key. Shouldn't be. Ooh, that's not good. Text in that. No, I mean, I just unlocked it. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. That right in the middle fun. of the show. That there it fun. is. Sometimes the job never ends, right? It, no. Um, all right. So. Back to the tenth and eleventh. He's all good. He's good. Yeah, he's good. Right. I was worried. Oh, Woof, so really worried. worried. Yeah. Back to the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth player on the team. How do you keep those kids happy and engaged? I would say, in my experience, I've had more conversation and more talking off the ledge, throwing stuff here, with those players than I have with my starters. So I would actually say, at times, I am closer to my 10th, 11th, and 12th players emotionally than I am with my starters, just so there is that connection to where they know I do care about them. It's just the role is very different for where you are. And that's yeah. that's where I think my 10th, 11th, 12th kids, they do okay with being on the bench and having fun with those cheers, et cetera. But I don't know. What do you think of well, that? Well, so Noah and I have had some good conversation about this recently. Um, and we actually asked one of our uh, one of our role guys, this question, you know, is, is it enough to just uh, conversations are huge. Uh, interacting with those kids is really important. If you're not interacting with 10, 11 and 12 instantly, they're going to feel like they don't belong practice. You need to make sure you're continuing to coach those kids, right? You can't just focus on the starters. I think there are way too many teams that just want to focus on the starters. Cause you know, those are the guys that are going to help us win. But so Noah and I had, uh, we, we were debating at one tournament recently, like, okay, so is, do you want, my, my microphone just died on me. Do you want to be thrown a bone in a match? Like you're winning. Garbage your time. Your team's up. Yeah, garbage time. Your team's up 23. I hope 15, 12. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. Whatever. And you, oh yeah, we'll just throw them in for the last two points. And Noah said. I hated that <laughs> stuff oh yeah no. oh well now we I had a, one, now we I got had a dolphin last, sound yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like when it more so happened when i was when i was in college because you know that's majority of the time when i was on the bench but if we were blowing a team out coach keep the starters in let's get out of here let's go have fun after the match like and then if we're getting blown out like i also don't want to go in because now i just look bad yeah like See, no matter what, I mean, granted, so it's it sounds the other like a lose lose. Yeah, it's almost. Do you I, also like, to me, it feels like a lose lose. Do you think though that's like a a fragile part of your ego then that's being attacked? Is that what it is? Because not everybody feels that way. Cause correct. Because the, the that, player we talk to, what they don't say, really no. I mean, that's hard to think because I'm I'm not like in that position yeah. right now. You the, know, like what it did had this that player say? Been asked the, earlier, like yeah, who knows? right. This player said that they it depended on the situation a little bit, but they wanted to play. Yeah, give me some time out there. I'll get out there and do my thing. When I was a bench player as a basketball kid growing up, I, I mean, I wanted any time I could get on the court. Part of me in the back of my mind thought that and felt like oh if i get out there right now i can show the coach that i can do this put me in the game coach right like and it might change their view of you too yeah watch me go play yeah. really hard for these three minutes that i get you know watch me kind of change you know the complexion of this moment even though we're like you know we're winning by 30 points or whatever it was but i thought it was it was my shot 
You know what I mean? Which it really wasn't. Like looking back, like well, but, but, but fourteen-year-old Ryan was. It doesn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah, to, yeah. But for me, so that's it mattered all that matters to get dude. my chance. Yeah. yeah, I think I was more so coming from like, hey, the starters earned it. Like if they're blowing them out, yeah, they earned to be they they earned the right to be on a court and absolutely destroy a team. See, and then and then if the starters are getting blown out, hey, like they need to learn how to <laughs> yeah. lose too. No, but see, no, not if, just your backups. Uh, but see, I I actually that's where think, I was. I actually beast. think that like. As a when I was a starter, it was an honor to be taken out of a game that you were blowing yes. somebody out. Like, yes. pull me the last four minutes. That's why that, they get a standing ovation. Yeah, at the and I just, level. yeah, I, I agree just with that. absolutely smoked that other team over there. Yeah, take me out. Like, I'll point at the, the stands, and you know, I think the hard one is going to be when you're down and you get thrown into the fire. Right. Don't put that, me in when we're losing by it. Yeah. That's the one, but then it's also a, it it all depends on what kind of mindset you're, are uh, yeah, you in a you know threat what? mindset? Are you in a challenge mindset? Like which way are you viewing it as the athlete? Yeah, I say that now. Like put me in when we're losing. Because the other like if the other team has their starters in and I go in, we're down 20 to nothing to 20, lose. 20 to there eight, is nothing to lose. I'm going in and there's my shot, man. And yeah. all of a sudden now we run off six or seven points. Holy crap. Yeah, dude, fire yeah. me up. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess it's just a different like. It's a mindset thing yeah, for sure. Yeah, it depends mindset. on the kid. You got to get to know the kid for I sure. I just think like, hey, like they are beating them by this much. Let them go, like shine and have their fun. I, I, I was always in a, yeah. a frame of mind of like, hey, like if I'm stepping on a court in a team game in a personal game, I am coming to absolutely end your life. Like I don't care if we're winning by five. I don't care if we're winning by fifty. Yeah, my best players are gonna be on the court, and we are absolutely going to mess you up. Granted, that was in college. Club is a little club, high school, certainly different, a little bit different, right? But when I was in college, like, and my coach and I were actually on the a pretty same like wavelength. Like, I told him I was like, "Hey, like, if we're beating a team by X amount, like, keep our guys in there and let's absolutely mess them up, right?" And then that's maybe why you have get, to. That's why you have to have a conversation with the kid. And then I think, hey, athlete, maybe next game so we realize know. that you know you we can get by with some of our bench guys playing for yeah, rest absolutely. or experience or whatever it is. Okay, yeah. then maybe throw me in like Put in. when we're not absolutely destroying. You them, just right? never know. And I think my coach in college did a really good job at managing. Like, hey, this is a game where we can either rest this person or give this person that doesn't give many opportunities in the game with the starters X Y Z stuff like that. I found I we I have found diamonds in the rough so to speak with my air quotes right like in in garbage time like oh wow this kid can do can x do y stuff. and z yeah. she can do x y and z you know like maybe i can play this person in a different role now moving forward and they've i mean i yet i so i don't i think in our situation being you know youth coaches prep coaches i think that it's vital that we develop every kid all the time because when because you never know when that moment's going to come when you're going to need especially that super in boys sub. volleyball too i totally believe it's different because they mature physically later yeah dude we've had kids on jvb and, and if you don't know what jvb is it's <laughs> like our third level in arizona it's called frost off now that have turned into state champions yeah that's not normal in girls volleyball right like hey you're a freshman girl volleyball player and then you're like no, Our, well, that, so, it doesn't happen much. We've but, had ones that have competed in national championships at the collegiate level. Well, from so, Arizona. yeah, an example right like now. Sanders, one that pops in my mind. Yeah. Nicholas Gibson. Yeah, he was a he was a JV player as his junior year, and then he went to Ben U and well, was here's, like here's in a your, national championship. Here's program. your example. You ready for this? This will blow your mind. And Paris may be a little different than other schools from boys boys volleyball perspective. You know, that's where I coach. We tend to get, uh, you know, a, a lot of boys and a lot of talent. Ben Nigren was a JVB kid as a, as a freshman. And, you ben know. Ben Nigren. And now Ben Nigren is 18 being. 18 open eight, gold bracket libero. Yeah, one of the best liberos probably in the country and getting looks at yeah. all these colleges. Yeah. Not that he was a bad player. That B team was gnarly. I mean, Rock was on that B team and Jake Andreas and I mean, a bunch of these yeah. boys who are now seniors who are competing at a really high level now, they you just they, they develop differently. And you and don't want to be a kid's last coach. Let these kids play. That's what's tough, too. You know? that, that's like in the back of my mind a little bit because it was in my first coaching clinic. Sometimes it's inevitable, not going to lie. Sometimes you can't do anything about it. They're going to be, even if you're the best coach in the world, the worst coach in the world, they might just be, yeah. they might just be done mentally, but right. you don't want to be the reason because you... I don't really yeah, that's put tough. There's, there's been a couple of times that's actually happened to me at Aspire. Like yeah. kids were on my team one year and then they come back for tryouts. Sorry, your club's gotten better and you haven't. Yeah, it goes both I'm, ways. I'm yeah. done playing since I didn't make your team again this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, like, go. Yeah, no, it goes both ways. I, 
I just I feel like there's a double-edged sword double-edged sword to playing kids all the time you know there are matches there's moments when you can play everybody you can rotate guys and then you get to the you know the bigger matches the more important ones so to speak and then you're stuck right because these kids expect to play yeah but that's why these conversations need to happen you this is your role on this team and if you perform it at a high level you can continue to be successful. Have I ever, have I talked about on this show and I don't know, it's only been 15 episodes. Have I talked about sailor butters on this show yet? Yeah, absolutely. Sailor comes to mind. And maybe if you haven't heard that episode, you know, this one, um, you know, for me, it's really close to home. And this is one of the most incredible examples of understanding roles and what a team needs. And she and Anna Morse were battling out for the little barrel spot. And she she saw a need as a defensive specialist and that she, a role she could fill in a really high level that could help the team win and you know she was uh, sh- she's now finishing up her career as at, the starting libero the at starting, west point yeah, yeah like in, you know for a collegiate volleyball team she's had an incredible career um she's an incredible human being those were conversations that she and i had about what you know what does the team need she was a little bit more mature than most at that at seeing kind of what that looked like, but it was important for that team success for her to understand that role. So, all right, let's keep, let's keep rolling here. we got a couple more. Uh, One thing that just came to, to mind because we were talking about it in SoCal. When you change a player's role and their performance goes down or a player does not get the role they want and their performance goes down, that is tough. Like, you know, they can play at this, they don't get the role they want or they think they should have. So then now their level of play goes down. Sounds about right. Then that that's tough. Yeah, it's like it, it's fixing that's hard. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. It's it's a bummer from a coaching perspective. It's a bummer as a player. It's a bummer as a parent. And it's and, and that's a dang that one's tough. <laughs> good that luck. One's, yeah, good luck. Exactly. <laughs> I some of these some of these problems, there are no great solutions. Like we're not no. gonna sit here and solve all the world's problems, but you know, so that I guess leads into the next conversation here about parents and how can how can we help the parents to understand what this process looks like? Um, you've done something that I've seen you do before that I, I find very impressive, and I don't know if you do it all the time or not, but I've been involved in a conversation with you with a player about her role. You know, hey, this is your role on this team, right? You know, you're going to be a bench girl. You're going to maybe be a setter. You might be a DS. You might play here or there. You might just be a serving spec. And you need to make sure you're you're okay with that, you know? And and so we're having this conversation, which is great. You want to have them. And then the last thing you did, this is the part that I was like, okay. And I was leading that conversation, and you were just kind of there. Do you remember this? This was at an open house, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And then you looked at the girl, and you said, repeat to me what I just, what, what your role because in is that motion. The kids like the kid. Yeah. All over the place. All over the place. Yeah. Repeat to me what your role is and then go communicate that with your parents. Yeah. And I think that's where we lose a lot of this is we well, don't the game. A telephone is a dang it. It's, it's gnarly. It's gnarly. And, and, and parents bless their souls. They don't always get the full story from their kid. And so the good ones know that too. Right. The parents that have been there before know that. They're definitely in the dark on some of this stuff. So, you know, having having you know, these conversations is important, but also making sure that these kids communicate properly to their parents and, and then helping the parents understand whatever your kid's role is, it's really okay. And there are lessons to be learned in all of these different roles. And that's what gets lost when it comes to this whole playing time issue. I want to be on the court. I want to play the whole time. Sure, everybody does. Mm-hmm. But why are you playing sports? Just so you're out there? Just to be there, right? No, you're playing to learn to compete. You're playing to learn not necessarily even compete in matches, but compete in practice against other teammates to try to earn that playing the greater time. good if you will too thinking yeah. about the big picture right. of the team right because you know guess what you're gonna get hired at a job someday and, and you're, you're gonna prob- be a peasant you're probably not the manager <laughs> no. you know what i mean you have to work your way up and if you can't function in that in that framework then you're never gonna get it yeah help these kids understand that these roles are okay and that they matter still and that it's it's a it's a part of growing up. It's a part of the process. 
Um, I actually think that should be an an episode, by the way, the process, the process. (laughs) I actually think that the kids who go through it end up becoming much more well-rounded adults than the kids who are just always the pro stars. Like I, you know, I play all the time. I'm just, they actually have a better understanding of sport too. better understanding of sport, better understanding of how to communicate with others, better understanding of, of how to deal with adversity, all of those things that, that are just the absolute best lessons we learn from sports. They are picking that up when they struggle in these role player modes, when they don't yeah. play a lot. So hard to learn in the moment, but so valuable to, to try to fact. pick up after yeah. the fact. Don't lose those, don't lose sight of really what's important, you know? And that's, and that's building good behavior. Right. Or the correct way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to end with... Let's end with that little that little last that's part all you, there. Man. I like that's it. All so, you, I like um, it too. So the question is, what makes an effective team? And, and essentially, what we've talked about so far is, is, is how you build these players across the board. And you have to build them into um, these roles so that everybody knows... Because everybody's working in unison, you know, the old... The old watch clock analogy where each little cog turns and spins and it makes it work. So that's what we're doing here. And so there's, there's five things that we see that kind of can help develop this, an effective team, if you will. Number one, commitment to shared objectives, right? And, and that part I think can help really these role players buy in. You know, the, our what shared, are we trying to accomplish? Right. And we can't accomplish that without you. You. Yeah. you were selected to this team for a very specific purpose. And that purpose might not be to play all the time in every match. It might be to give rest to a starter. It might be to serve really aggressively. It might be to play defense in the back row. It might be whatever it is, right? But you need to make sure you understand your commitment to this shared objective, which is not only like in little in-game things, you know, stat, stats and things, but also that grand scheme of things. Where do we want to go? Um, and then, you know, holding everybody, holding each other accountable to that goal. We talked about accountability yeah. a couple episodes ago. And so holding everybody accountable is kind of part of that, that commitment. Number two, um, accurate shared <laughs> mental models. What does that even mean? I'm guessing how you're thinking about things, how, how you are as a team, how you're thinking about the process and what to expect mentally through that. I don't know. What I, do you I think can, no, that's exactly where we're going with that one. Yeah. Um, making sure that your all your players think the same way. Yeah. And I know that's kind of weird to say, cause you want to have, you know, thinkers, individual thinkers and things like that. But in the framework of a team, you have to mentally all be on that same page. Yeah. Right. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is how we're going to do it. Right. Third one, and this is what we talked about, role clarity and acceptance. And that's the communication that we that we discussed. Right? We just spent, what, 40 minutes talking about? Less than that. We did a role little. Clarity we we a, took some time on <laughs> trivia. And acceptance. <laughs> yeah, we did a little longer on trivia today. Uh, number four, mutual trust and cooperation. This part is oftentimes left behind from a player-to-player perspective, from a player-to-coach perspective, um, because it's hard. Yes. Building trust is not easy. Yeah. And it, it takes time. Right. And and it's easy to lose. Oh, it's you so lose, much easier you lose to lose. That the, yeah. yeah. Drop yeah. of a hat and, you, and your trust can be gone. Um, and so it, it takes constant effort. And then the last one would be collective potency. I love that word. Yeah. Not a, I, I mm, you go. Collective potency, strength, right? <laughs> Something that's potent. It's very strong, right? So um, collectively we can do more, right? Together. What is it? Team together. Everyone achieves more. Yeah. Right. And that's essentially what we're trying to build here is, is the ability, the, the ability to achieve more together rather than individually. And team sports is incredible for that. There's nothing, uh, this is probably hyperbole. There is nothing else in this world that can effectively teach the lessons that our kids learn in sport. Through sport. I, we're biased, obviously, mm-hmm. but I'm going to agree with you. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I am going to agree that. It, yeah. 
athletes view the world and view people and view it very differently. I guess if you, I guess if you were a, a member of an orchestra or a band, and that's a hot. But anytime you're trying to be a high level performer for any sort of team, you're going to think differently. Yeah, yeah. So band, yeah, orchestra absolutely. being part of something, a group of people trying to accomplish a common goal. Yes, but yeah. sports does it unlike unlike no other. Yeah, it's and I think it's the physical nature of it how how it can be physically demanding, and you have to understand how to rely on on others and and the sport breeds breeds some incredible um lessons that just can't be found anywhere else so i actually thought that very same thing until earlier this year we had like the um i know i'm gonna get the name of the position wrong but he was like the the guy in peoria for like the for firefighters oh okay yeah like fire he was chief, like the fire marshal is that so right he, he was is like, that what you're he saying was, yeah it's something like chief. that he wasn't he wasn't the head guy he was the one like right below uh-huh. so he was like second in command for all of peoria and like he came in and he talked to our boys and he's like you guys don't understand you guys have to rely on each other for wins and losses we have to rely each other if like that guy's gonna live, yeah, for it's different. It's a hours. different stake. No, yeah, but that's yeah. the SEAL teams yeah. six kind of stuff. Like yeah. they're operating, yeah, they have I'm, to be perfect. But what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, you learn. Like those guys did just show up on the uh, on the fire at the fire department with the ability to do that. Oh no, it takes work. It's like well, but where did they learn those lessons as as kids, Noah? Yeah, I, or yeah. in firefighter school. No, like, no. I, I, they, 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 I think those lessons are strengthened and, and heightened you have and the their base, awarenesses, but you have no, those things, yeah. When find you me a firefighter child, who wasn't an athlete. He's, I actually know two of them that I went to high school with. <laughs> what would they do? One was uh, a kid. He just, he didn't, he didn't play sports and the other was like, uh, like a band kid or something. Okay. Well, we talked about band. I'm telling yeah. you, but I mean, that's not being an those, athlete. I understand that, but we talked about how band is yeah. similar to that, right? I mean, you're you're trying you have to do things in unison and whatever, but I mean, those guys, those guys and gals, those men and women who become firefighters, they they develop a lot of those characteristics through their sports training that they have while growing up. Yeah, and then again, they're reinforced and they're heightened in those scenarios. The army and you know our armed forces are military that you know i mean working in unison that kind of thing obviously it's heightened lives are at stake i get that but these lessons start when you're 12 13 14 years old playing on a sports team if you have the right coach if you have the right environment if you're given those those right opportunities i can i firmly believe it you're not wrong i mean those firefighters those are our servicemen and women do incredible things together and and couldn't accomplish it without each other but I believe that a lot of most of those, and if you ask a lot of those people, I guarantee they'll say, yeah, a lot of these lessons came from when I was a kid. Yeah. That's when you're most malleable. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Not that it can't be done later on in life, right? No. Obviously that's part of growing up and maturing. So uh, we, we thank you for sticking with us. This is one of our maybe longer episodes. Uh, hopefully you learned some stuff and uh, you, you know, have a better idea of how these roles work and how that might fit into the, you know, the framework of a team. Um, so thanks for listening to pin to pin the volleyball podcast. Follow us on social media at pin to pin podcast on Instagram, YouTube, That's the number two, yeah, the number two YouTube pin to pin, uh, and wherever find you find podcasts, Spotify, um, Google and Apple, and we'll see you on the next side. Peace.